exuberance of children. I love it. Yes. Okay, if you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. I'll be reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, instructive, and life-changing word to our hearts souls and so father that's my prayer that you do bless us in that way oh you cause what's here to be seen and marveled at that you break bonds of discouragement in your people that you teach us with the word and by the power of your spirit who we are in Christ Jesus and that that security that love be felt lived in treasured by us your people so to that end, help me teach your word. Amen. The Christian life, it is a pursuit. It's, it's a race. It's a lifestyle. Verse 12. Not that I, Paul, have already obtained this, or am already perfect. Okay. Obtained what? What we have seen over the last few weeks, verses 8 through 11. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, so that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's Paul's pursuit. And he will never in this life totally arrive or be perfected. 
Christians will never in this life get to a place where I do not have to pursue Christ or strive any more. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Now, here comes the next line. But I press on to make it my own. Here's the key. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now, I thought I was only going to do one sermon on verses 12 to 14. But in this passage, the, the foundation of our pressing on. There is a pressing on, and then there's a foundation. There must be there, or there is no pressing on. That foundation is so massively huge and central to what Christianity actually is, that it deserves its own sermon. The pressing on, or this race here, this pursuit, is only for those whom Christ Jesus has made his own. In other words, it's only for those who have been called. If you have not been called by God yet, then you cannot press on toward that for which he has called you. It's, just, it's what you call logic. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. God calls the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. So to grasp the Christian faith is to understand what? The distinct but connected, the differing but related to each other doctrine. That make up what Christianity is. In other words, to understand the parts that make the whole. Like the doctrines of redemption or propitiation or the incarnation or justification or sanctification or glorification. And this morning, the doctrine of the call. It's not peripheral. In the New Testament. It's central. Paul in this text. Has been. Called. It's an. Here. Modified. Upward. Call. The call. Is how Jesus made Paul. His own. The call is how Jesus makes any person 
becomes a sheep, his own. So think about what, what are Christians called in the New Testament? Well, they're called Christians. They're called believers. They're called hagias, right, Lindsay? They're called saints. They're called members of the body of Christ. And you know what? They're called the called. Paul opens up his letter to the Romans this way. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Okay, not, not called to be a Christian there. Called to be, yep, there's a call, to be an apostle. You jump down to verse 5. This apostleship is to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are, here it is, called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. His Emphasis toward all those who believe in Christ is on what God has done. He called you. If you're in Christ, you're the called. Not the caller. You do call upon God, but only because He called you first. His emphasis is not on what we do. What we do in the totality of our Christian lives and of conversion as a whole is not at all unimportant. It's really important. That's the main point of this whole Philippians 3 section. I, I, Paul, I, Christian, press on, strive. It's not unimportant. It's crucial what we do. But when Paul so often is describing what it means to have a, an actual Christian identity, he does not put the emphasis on what we do. He puts it on what is and has been and is being done to us. This word called throughout the Bible, all the Bible, and throughout the New Testament, is massively important in the, in the whole of what, of what salvation is. So we need to ponder this word, called, I really say it this way, this doctrine, this teaching of the call. Because it is a key to understanding our identities as Christians. What it means to be a Christian. So, it's very simple the way we're going to go about it. There's three main, there's my three. I get mocked for doing that because I can't do that. See, I'm retarded there physically. It doesn't work. can't go three. All right. So, three main points about this call. One, God does the calling. Secondly, 
This saving call is a special act of grace to some, not to all. Thirdly, is that this call of God's is effective. Meaning, if God calls with this call, he causes what he calls for to happen. Okay. So first, God is the one who calls. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God called me in Christ Jesus. So it's that upward or that Godward call to be in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, Paul says this to the church. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God calls, and the goal of the call is to put us into communion and relationship and fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. That call is mercy. It's grace. Because the Scripture is just clear that we are all born sinners. We deserve what we actually... No, 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 I deserve that. I have a right to that. And what we have a right to is justice. Which means for us condemnation. And therefore, all of divine salvation from that condemnation is mercy. As Paul says in Romans 9.15, when he's writing to the Romans, God said to Moses, Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. And so we are the ones who are called. God is the caller. And this is not peripheral to the New Testament. I took out my New Testament Greek concordance and looked at the nouns and the verbs and the adjectives around this Greek word that we translate call, and I don't have time to read them, but I'll read just a few and listen for how they're used in their context here in the New Testament. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul says, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Ephesians 4.4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. 
2 Timothy 1.9, God saved us and called us to a holy calling. 1 Corinthians 1.2, and to the church of God called to be saints. Jude 1, I'm writing to those who are called. Revelation 17, 14. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Romans 9, 11. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of Him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Romans 9.24, He has prepared beforehand for glory even us whom He has called. From the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you will obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 1:15. As he who called you is holy. Be holy yourselves, 1 Peter 2.9, that you may proclaim the greatness of God who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This doctrine of the calling is central to what the church actually is. On this earth. If we think that, that, that our salvation and our, con, our conversion is foundationally to be understood by, by, by something that we do, then we misunderstand it. We misunderstand what Christianity is. Conversion absolutely includes our actions, repentance, and faith. But below that, Scripture is clear that we're in this world. It's not true. Many people think this. Everyone is seeking God. And then, you know, some have, have found Him and they become Christians, but others are still on the path. They're still seeking the truth. It's just not true. Scripture is clear that we human beings are born into sin and we are dead to God. We don't, in our nature, want the one true God. And thus, we're in desperate need of being made alive. We can say prayers in a church. We can get baptized. 
We can do sacraments and X, Y, and Z, but we cannot raise ourselves from the dead. We need to be saved. We need God to change our hearts. And he does. And it's called the call. So that's the first point. God is the one who calls. Second point. This call is given to some. It's not given to everybody. And there is no injustice with God because no one deserves it. No one has a right to it. Most of us at one time or another might have brought, brought food to a local homeless person down the street that you chose to bring food, give it to them, did not make you unjust because you didn't do it to every homeless person whom you drove by that week. That's grace. That's mercy. No one has a claim or right to the call. Mercy. I want you to turn over with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8, and slowly consider what's there. Romans, I'm going to go to the, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, Romans 8, 28. Paul writes, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That is, in other words, for those who are called according to His purpose. So slow down. Think about what Paul just said. There's an implication there. All things do not work together for good for everyone but only for those who are called which implies not all are called then jump down two verses in verse 30 he says it again those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So again, it's not everyone. The call of God, as Paul uses it, is a particular call to this person, not to that one. So, so what is this call? What is it? What is this noise? Do we know? 
Am I hearing it only? It must be just me. Good. I shouldn't have distracted you. What is this call? Does this call mean that oh, there's no need to preach to everybody? You know, just kind of get a list and find out who are the called. It doesn't mean that at all. We are commanded to preach the gospel. We're commanded to preach the gospel. Scatter the seed to every soul. Let them know the gospel and call everybody to faith. That, that, that's what Jesus gave in his illustration, isn't it? The sower goes out to sow and he throws the seed over all kinds of different soils. And then he says, okay, what happens here is there's three soils that are not called. They have varying religious responses, but then they abort and they abandon the gospel. And then there's the fourth soil that through the preaching of the word is called. And so those persons, they bear fruit, 30, 60, and a hundredfold. And Paul himself in his ministry, that's what he did. He was a sower of the seed. He would go to town after town. He'd go into the synagogue and whoever showed up, some Gentiles who were God-fearers and the Jews in town, jam-packed, and he would preach to all of them and call all of them, come to Christ and be saved. Believe in this gospel. And then he'd go out to the town square and he would indiscriminately preach to everyone who is there like he did in Athens in Acts 17. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Yes, that's the job of the church, of Christians. That's the universal call. It's called evangelism. It's not the call that Paul's talking about in Philippians 3 or Romans 8. Or the numerous other passages I read to you when he refers to those who are in Christ. You're the called. Those are different calls. Now, what is it? What is this call that enables Paul to say in Romans chapter 8, verse 30? Those meaning all those whom he calls every one of them he also justifies we know we had four weeks of this over the last month on justification not every sinner will be saved will be justified it does not justify everybody. But Paul was clear here. He does justify everybody who's called. Which brings us to the third and the final point about this call. God's saving call into fellowship with Jesus is effective. 
When he calls this way, he causes what he calls for to happen in that person. He accomplishes what the call is going for. The gospel, what is it? It is the message of Christ, and it goes to everyone, and it says truthfully, whosoever will believe, come to him. When, can you see the beauty of this? If you want to be delivered forever and enjoy your creator in his glory, in mercy and forgiveness forever, Believe, and if you do, you will never perish. You will be saved. There's the gospel. Trust Him. And every person who hears that message and believes will be justified. Based upon that faith, that trust, Alone justified. But the question is, when that gospel's preached, what's the final answer to why some believe and others don't? I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and allow the Apostle Paul to answer that question. Starting with verse 23, Paul says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles. It's pretty much everybody represented anyway. But, to those who are called, both the Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So here's Paul. He, he, he preaches to everybody, Jews and non-Jews. And as he preaches, he offers this eternal salvation to everyone he's preaching to. And most of the Jews, he said, they regard a crucified Messiah, something they never in any way anticipated or, or were expecting, and thus they stumble over it and reject and go to hell. And most of the Gentiles, they regard this doctrine of a bloodied, crucified, kurios, Lord, as Stupid foolishness, and they reject him. But then Paul says, among those two groups who are hearing the gospel, some are called. They're called. They come. But that second call he talks about. Not Paul's called preaching. The called is different. 
than the universal call. Paul calls all the Jews and all the Gentiles that he's preaching to, believe, I'm calling you, believe. Here's the promise, you'll be saved. And then God calls some who are listening to that. And the effect of that call is that, according to this passage, Jesus Christ to them, the message of the cross and the eyewitness testimony of the resurrection to them is no longer foolish, no longer a stumbling block, but it appears to be what it actually is. Christ Jesus, the very power of God and the wisdom of God. And they say, I see it. Because they were called. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, meaning to them, something happens. The power. He is the power and the wisdom of God. Why, why is that happening to them? Well, the call, but what does that mean? It's because that call, the effectual call, awakens the dead. The effectual call gives sight to spiritually blind people. It gives new ears to spiritually deaf people. It, it gives a new heart. Takes a heart of stone, as Ezekiel said, and transforms it into a heart of flesh. Soft. In order, that effectual call brings saving faith to the person. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, think about the words, those whom he called, he also justified. That's how he says it. Even though, I hope now we know with Paul and particularly in the book of Romans itself up to that point, nobody is justified apart from faith. But he didn't say faith there. Every person whom God calls is justified. And the only way that could be is because that call itself creates the faith that justifies. That's why everyone whom he calls, not some of them, but all of them, he justifies. Because the call changes the sinner. The call makes Jesus so irresistible that all of a sudden now we willingly, freely, and joyfully believe. I want you to turn over to one more text. 2 Corinthians 4. I'm doing it because in this passage, Paul does not use the word call. 
at all. He doesn't use the word, but he describes the effectual call in 2 Corinthians 4. Let's begin with verses 3 and 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, there's a veil that lies that can't actually see the gospel while you preach it to them. It's, it's veiled. It's over their heart. Watch this. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers in order to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, stop right there for a moment. We're all born blind. Natural human rebellion and unbelief are even here, according to Paul, intensified by the devil. So the question is, if you cannot see the glory of Christ while someone's preaching the gospel to you, how is it possible for anybody to be saved? Because if you, here's Paul's point, if you don't see the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, you will not believe. It will just seem to you as a stumbling block or foolishness. So, so what has to happen? Well, first, what we've already said and what Paul will say in the very next verse, preaching has to happen. Clarity has to happen. The gospel needs to continually be going out to people, to sinners. Verse 5, right? For what we preach or proclaim is not ourselves. That's pretty important that Paul kind of added that twist. Because he was already fighting false gospels. No, 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 no. We preach Jesus Christ is Lord. The clarity of the whole counsel of God, the gospel as God gave it, is crucial according to Paul. It's the means through which God calls. So what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He does. That's the universal call, not the effectual divine call. But that must happen. And then notice the next thing he's going to say. Because here's the question then. He's already said, preach the gospel, blinded. What is going to make the decisive difference in one being saved out of that darkness. Well, it will be the divine, supernatural call of God. Essentially, no different than when you open up the book of Genesis and God creates the universe. And as he creates a piece at a time, right? He says, actually, he calls light. 
into being. Light be. Literally. When he called it, light had no choice. He called light into being. That's the analogy Paul uses in the next verse. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shined, shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, God effectually calls us the way he called light into existence. Or the way Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. Dead men don't tell tales. Pirates of the Caribbean. And dead men don't have ears to hear someone throwing sound waves outside of that cave like Jesus did. But when Jesus used the effectual call from physical death to physical life, Lazarus cannot not obey and come forth. Without that call, none of us would ever see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face, in the person, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we don't see it, we would perish. Okay. All right, so let me just sum up and we'll close. God calls a person to Christ. He does it by bringing the sinner together with the contents of the gospel itself one way or another and in it and through it by his spirit calls them or raises them from spiritual death to spiritual life he as paul said in ephesians made us alive together with christ in order that the heart is changed see jesus knew what he's talking about let him who has ears to hear, hear. And he also knew that you're never going to have ears to hear unless it's granted to you to have ears to hear. Let him who has eyes to see, see. And then there are those who don't. So, for example, therefore, there's two calls. Okay, so, so I'll, I'm a pastor, I preach, and we all preach in one way or another, and sit around over a cup of coffee. Or... So I preach. And it is appropriate to say, come, I'm calling you to believe, as Paul would say, be reconciled to God. That's the general call. 
then there is God's call through the hearing of that gospel, of the truth. There's a specific call. Lazarus, come. Justin, come. Jeannie, come forth. My call, it offers hope. God's call creates the hope in them. My call offers life. God's call creates new life. My call commands that you love God. God's call grants that command. My call commands believe. God's call grants faith. So Paul opens up Romans. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. You're not loved by God in some general way if you're in Christ. You are loved by God, particularly personally, intimately from the foundation of the world in a way that owing nothing to you, others aren't. Or in 1 Corinthians 1, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, have you come to Jesus? Do you see and believe the truth of the gospel that saves sinners like you? If, if, if your answer yes, yes, it is, then you have been effectually called by God into the fellowship with His Son. Jesus Christ. It's important to understand that. You're the call. It's important to learn and believe who you actually are. And thus to know how grateful you are to be. And then, as we'll come back to the passage next week, and then go on pursuing Christ as Paul. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, may the May the goal, may the end of your revealing your salvation to us and the process of it and your work in it, may that goal not just stop and hit a wall.
of, of mere theology. May it do what it's meant to do and cause worship, adoration, devotion, tears of joy and wonder in us, your people, to the exaltation of your name through your Son, Jesus Christ.